Hello, everyone, and welcome to Canadian Sport Institute Pacific's Podium Cast podcast. In this podcast, we explore cutting edge ideas, gain valuable insights, and dive into athletes' journeys from the world of high performance sport. Hello, everyone. My name is Kendra Stoner, and today I have with me the legendary cyclist of the decade, Catherine Pendrel. I'm so excited to have you here to chat with me today. Congratulations on your recognition, Catherine. Thank you. Nice to be here. Yeah, I'm super excited. I love how when I first asked you about getting the award and what it was like for you, you said you were around family to celebrate, and then you started to gear up to train for another decade of cycling. I think that really is something special (laughs) yeah i mean sport is just so much a part of your life that it's you some pretty cool things have happened but it's really just um just all part of it that's awesome so before i dive into some questions i'd like to toot your horn a little bit if that's okay (laughs) so (laughs) nice Catherine is a three-time Olympian, having competed in the last three games in Beijing, London, and Rio, and is now training for the postponed Tokyo Olympic Games. Catherine is one of Canada's most decorated cyclists, winning medals at the Olympic Games, Commonwealth Games, Pan American Games, and World Championships. She is also ranked top 15 internationally in mountain bike. Catherine, for those unfamiliar, can you maybe give us a bit of a synopsis of what mountain bike is uh, is like for those unfamiliar with different designations in cycling? Yeah, so mountain biking, cross-country mountain biking specifically is what I do. And it is an endurance sport. We're racing for an hour and a half, both men and women. And we do it over several laps. So it's a mass start event. We'll typically have 60 to 100 women starting and it's mastered. Everyone goes as fast as they can to get to the single track. And then um, the race just plays out over however many laps the organizers have determined it will take to fit that around that hour and a half um, desired time goal. We race up steep climbs. We go down steep descents and rock gardens. And as the sport has changed over the years, we've even started adding jumps and all sorts of things. So it's really a sport that challenges you uh, technically, physically, and mentally, I think, to, um, to be the best. Wow, that's wild. It's crazy terrain. And then you're also just trying to go as fast as you can with like so many people around you. What's that kind of like having the dynamic with so many athletes around you with like other pieces of machinery trying to go as fast as they can and get in front of you? Yeah, um, definitely. It it takes some, uh, I guess, just time and exposure. I'm I'm not so much worried about the other racers around me, but sometimes, particularly training for an event, when you show up to Europe and you're learning a new course, and then you have everybody watching you as you're trying to learn to ride new features, can be intimidating. Or you have lots of spectators out on on the track. So um, I think people watching the course definitely adds energy and and kind of gives you this extra momentum um but yeah sometimes there are things like going into a jump and you're racing with someone or they're not going as fast as you'd like them to go to to know that you can do this feature safely so for sure it it is a, a pretty interesting and dynamic sport that way 
Oh, I can imagine. And just racing around the world, having all different kinds of terrain and climates and stuff. Like I think of track and field or athletics or something, or even like a field sport, you kind of have similar terrain for the most part. But then when it comes to your sport, it's completely different rock, different jumps, different heights, different kind of hills. That's wild. Does that keep it super fresh and exciting for you? It really does. I think that's what makes our sport so interesting is that wherever we go, it's a completely different experience. And even from day to day, it can be completely different, whether it's hot and dry or muddy or um, whatever the, the scenario or the, the weather or the terrain is. Um, yeah, you just you have to be super adaptable to do our sport. Um, and it is interesting because it's not like those sports where you can have this time goal or this uh, distance goal that can show you where you're, how good you are. Basically, um, every course is different. There could be a World Cup that you could win, and your speed could be ten kilometers an hour because it's so muddy or it's so steep, um, or it could be a really fast one if it's got a lot of open roads. So yeah, every every venue is totally different, and then of course your competition makes every race a, another completely different experience. Yeah, definitely. What do you think your favorite part of mountain bike is? Oh, that's a good question. Um, <laughs> I think when you are just out riding and you just get this sense of flow and you're responding to terrain really quickly and you just feel sharp on your bike, that feels pretty cool. Um, I love that it's a sport that I can do solo and I can do with people and it's, and that makes it a different experience too. Um, and I just love that. It's just, it's just really challenging. There's, I don't think you could ever be done learning in mountain biking. Oh, I love that. What was it like getting the information that you got cyclist of the decade? That is such a cool award. <laughs> yeah. Um, it is, it's, uh, it's one of those things that like I don't I don't know how to explain it. It's just it's a little bit surreal. Um when you and then you think back and you're like, oh wow, yeah, I guess like I have been at this and at that high level for over ten years and that makes you feel pretty good about what you've been able to do because I think it, it is unique to have as long a long and consistently strong career as I've had. Yeah, congratulations again, honestly, that that's so wild. And it almost feels like you're just doing what you love to do and the recognition kind of just organically comes along with that. Do you agree with that? Absolutely. Um, that's always tried to, has been my approach to sport is that um, just kind of focus on doing the best that you can do. And if you're doing your best, then the good results and the other things that you want out of that uh, will just happen. So yeah, typically when I approach uh, a season, I'm just trying to have the best individual races that I can. And hopefully that means that I can have a world, good World Cup overall or a good season too. I love that. I did a little quick Google search and maybe stumbled across a blog post you wrote about a year ago. <laughs> <laughs> and I'd love to kind of ask a couple questions on motivation so in your blog, you mentioned that um, motivation is not static and that what motivated you five years ago may not be what motivates you now and that in two years' time, the things that motivate you now may not be what motivates you then. 
Can maybe speak a bit to this and maybe how it shows up for you in uh, in sport and maybe life too? Yeah, I think motivation is pretty critical right now um, where, you know, typically athletes are relying or, or anyone, we're relying on having goals to to keep us motivated. And so now during COVID and of course, all of the things like the Olympics <laughs> that we were really ge- gearing up for and, and allowed us to maintain a super high level of focus and motivation. We don't have those anymore. Um, and so it's been really important to um, just accept that, okay, we lost some things that we were really looking forward to, but then pretty quickly reframe as to, okay, what unique opportunity do we have right now? And what goals can I be chasing right now um, that will keep me motivated, keep me wanting to ride my bike um, and get stronger and faster. Um, Definitely, uh, I would say that, well, motivation changes quite a bit through your career. I found it pretty easy in the first uh, probably 10 years of my career because there was there are still these new things to achieve and um, you're just so engrossed and engaged in what you're doing that it's almost like you don't need to think about motivation because it's just there. Um, but then when you've been in the sport for quite a while and you have achieved quite a few of the things that you would like to achieve and it's more about staying at that level than achieving, than getting to the next one, um, it has changed that motivation for me and um, a little bit of, okay, what is my purpose? What is, what is that driving force? And um, I think unless you really are in touch with what drives you, it's hard to race at the highest level. So I do find that now later into my career, I have to think more about what it is that I want to get at a sport. Um, what is it that really excites me to, to not get just 95% out of race, but how can I get a hundred percent out of myself at a race? Um, and so that, that can be work and it's, it's constantly going back and, and reflecting on, um, why you ride, what you want to achieve and what you can be doing on a daily basis or weekly basis to help you stay on top or, or, um, be the best rider that you can be in the moment. Hmm. That's so great. I think my next question would kind of be around like, have you done work to kind of figure out your purpose in your sport? Have you been able to kind of identify what it is that keeps you going or why it is that you continue to do it? Yeah, absolutely. That's um, something that I work with, with our sports psychologist about and kind of will make this a purpose tree. And, um, kind of if you're able to find your purpose and and for sure it'll change over time it's not going to be the same when you're 20 your your purpose and what you want out of riding may be different than um when you're 39 um and you've you've already had a long career so definitely it is something that I have to revisit and and um you know for myself now although I still want to be uh one of the highest performers um, some more of my motivation can come from wanting to contribute to team Canada or, or qualify as many, Canada for as many positions as possible. Or it could be, um, you know, just wanting to demonstrate to the younger riders on the team, 
what it looks like to give your best. And, and like, so that keeps me digging as hard as I can, because I want, I want to show younger riders that you don't give up, even if the day is not going exactly the way you want it to go, you just keep pushing. Um, so yeah, there, there can be slight changes in motivation and, um, and purpose. And I guess I kind of work through that for myself with, um, I usually, I don't journal a lot, but when it comes, when I'm struggling to find my purpose or, um, or I'm, I'm searching for a little bit more motivation, that's where I really do like writing things out. I find that helpful. Oh yeah. I've always found journaling super helpful just to like either vent or like try and, I don't know, make lists and see how it kind of on paper looks. Cause sometimes our brain is just so jumbled with ideas and thoughts that it's hard to articulate and like really get into the core message that our body's kind of trying to tell us. For sure. I find that what I'm feeling really anxious about a race or my confidence not quite there, that if I write out what's making me feel nervous or fearful or um, less confident. And if I can put that down on paper, usually I can see the gaps or holes in my logic and, and, and also write down things of like why I shouldn't feel less confident or I shouldn't feel anxious. And I, I find that's the way of helping me get clarity, I guess. Mm, definitely. I went surfing yesterday and, and I was trying to understand what I could do better and my friend gave me a compliment sandwich where you compliment and then something you can work on and then compliment yourself or get a compliment after as well. I think that could work totally with like self-reflection too of like it's so easy to kind of get caught up in negative thought, I think. And um, yeah, if you could like, okay, I'm really good at this and I know that I'm going to thrive in this area. And then, okay, I, I could maybe work on getting more sleep or something before my race because I get so nervous. And then, oh, and then I'm going to do really well on my start or something. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I think confidence is huge. So it is super important to remind yourself of the things that you do do well and you are doing well. Um, and then yeah, sometimes your coach will have feedback for you and it can, it can feel overwhelming if it feels like there's all this stuff to work on. So, um, yeah, I think talking to yourself or, you know, coaches talking with you, it's super important to, to not only highlight what you need to improve, but yeah, what you're already doing well, that's making you successful. That's awesome. As kind of a more mature athlete on the national team, are you kind of taking on the role of like mama bear a little bit? <laughs> Uh, uh, yeah, I think I, we've had a lot of opportunity to just during COVID to do these zoom chats. And I find that I know that I could be the one that talks all the whole time. So <laughs> I may, I make sure that I'm the one that facilitates. So sometimes I end up speaking the least because I'm trying to make sure that other people are talking and sharing and, and then maybe help guiding those conversations. Um, yeah, I, I would like us to actually have more opportunities to interact. Um, typically, the elite, so that those are people 23 and older, our, our training uh, camps are separate and maybe even at races we're not always um, together. So um, I would definitely enjoy more opportunities to, to interact, but I've actually started with my husband a development team. So we have four riders that are um, all younger and in their developing years of riding. And so that's a, an opportunity to kind of give back some of the little bits of le uh, advice and support that I received over the years that I felt were significant to helping me improve. That's awesome. 
what would you maybe tell 20-year-old Catherine Pendrel starting off? Or I don't actually know. When did you start riding? I started when I was 16, but I'd say I became an athlete when I was 23 because Okay. I didn't actually ride or train through the winter when I lived in New Brunswick or Oh, didn't know, definitely not. didn't know anything about training. I didn't understand intervals because Right. they just seemed silly because <laughs> I just went the same speed the whole time. So I didn't get it. Um, I, I feel like I had pretty good. perspective when I was young because I, I didn't actually ever dream when I was a kid about being world champion or being the best in the world it was always like oh like that was pretty good like I wonder if I could be better I just I guess had a lot of curiosity about taking that next step and so my development was very progressive um yeah I'd, I I guess if I could go back and talk to my pre-2012 Olympic self, I, I would, I would tell myself to have more confidence in who I was as an athlete and, and not try to adopt what you thought that Olympic athletes, a successful Olympic athletes did, because I went into 2012 as a, a medal favorite and I became results focused. And that was never the way that I had performed optimally in the past. Like it was always about just doing your best as an athlete. And But by the time you get to the Olympics and all these people are making strong statements about going out there to win medals, um, you feel like you have to speak that way to be, I don't know, that to be an Olympian, to be a champion. Um, but that, that wasn't me. And so adopting, trying to adopt that persona and that result focus, it, it really backfired on me. So I would, if I could go back to myself, maybe at various points, I would tell myself to... remind myself to just be confident that I was successful because I had because of the things that I had done and so I don't I didn't need to adopt what I thought the best athletes in the world should be like um, just to be yourself I guess Mm. Yeah, I think it's so important to definitely understand that you are at the highest caliber event, um, but also recognizing that like there's a reason why you're there. And although one athlete may be really good at a certain thing, that doesn't mean that you should be adapting your kind of tactic towards that. Just remaining authentic no matter where you are. Totally. Yeah. Always be open to learning something new, but also um, have trust and faith in, in what you do too, if it's been successful. Definitely. So you'd tell yourself to kind of have a bit more confidence um, as a younger athlete. Would you maybe give that advice to other younger athletes too? Oh, absolutely. I think, um, you know, it's really easy to, to look at other people and to think that they're doing things better or um, just to, to compare or to uh, see someone else's training and, and think that maybe you should adapt your training to do, to be more like theirs. Um, but we're all individuals. And I think if you have made a strong plan with your coach, then yeah, like for sure, have, have confidence in what works for you and, and know that it doesn't have to be the same for everyone. And um, yeah, just, I guess, stay, stay focused on you and what you can do to improve. Nice. So another blog quote, or actually I think this might have been in your Athlete of the Month profile. You are our June 2020 Athlete of the Month. Congratulations. 
Thank you. Um, but one of the questions I asked, you had s- mentioned um, looking for daily successes and enjoying the moment with life and with training. What does that kind of mean? Can you expand on that a bit? Yeah. Um, so daily successes, because we don't have racing, we don't have those other metrics that usually are the things that tell us if we're on track. Um, you know, sometimes, particularly when maybe you have more time or you just have, you could have a less structured environment. Um, I found that I've had to put more structure on myself to, uh, feel like more like I'm thriving and to feel those daily successes. And they can be something super small and silly. Like, um, me and my friend Sandra, who often room together at world cups, will say successful people make their bed. <laughs> and the idea is I had read in an article somewhere that successful people make their bed. And it's because you're starting the day with something um, really simple, but you're just, you're doing something to make yourself successful right from the start. And you just start with that trend. And so for me, it's uh, making this schedule is like, okay, you get up, you do 10 minutes meditation, you do 10 minutes core, and then it's, you've already, you've gotten up and you've already done 20 minutes of something that's, contributing to you being a better athlete so it's something small like that where you don't have these big goals necessarily um you are going to have some bigger goals in training that you're still doing without racing um but it's the idea of just kind of feeding yourself a lot of these little positive steps that you can do every day um to to be that are small steps on the way to being more successful overall totally and i've definitely read a lot about the concept of making your bed in the morning and just like starting off the day like that. And to me, it's adulting. You are <laughs> working towards <laughs> being an adult. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yay me. I made my bed. <laughs> <laughs> the small victories, honestly, it, it's the organization. It's the ritual routine of, of uh, waking up every day and doing the same thing. And I think the 10-minute meditation, 10-minute core is absolutely phenomenal. And how long have you been doing that? Um, you know, I've, I've been really committing to like doing it ever since I got home with COVID and, um, you know, I'd always do it, but not necessarily in such a structured get up and do it right away. But I find that, um, when I was home and I, I came home cause I was in the U S and then I had to self-isolate for two weeks. And then within that time, the Olympics were postponed when we thought we might be getting back to competition sooner, it was pushed way back. And so when my husband was able to go back to work, I kind of had this feeling of like, Oh, okay, what am I getting up for today? What is my purpose? So I thought that having these things that I get up and I do right away, it automatically set me into some structure and purpose, um, um, upon waking up. And I found that just to be really helpful mentally to, um, to not just kind of get sluggish and let the the day fade away and like you get things done but you're not as productive as you would be if you kind of got up with a more go get them attitude and I I mentally just makes me feel more engaged I guess um when you're not maybe getting up for that to prepare for that next race or um when you're you're preparing for something that's a lot more long term than than short term totally with Tokyo being postponed I know it's a interesting topic I know you had mentioned you had planned to retire after this Olympic Games but we can expect to see you in Tokyo 2021 yeah (laughs) um yeah I mean it'll be interesting because they're gonna have to redo selection for the Olympics because 
uh, I had the second strongest result in 2019, which set me up well for it. But can you, if, if our funding comes from achieving Olympic medals, uh, is it good enough to look at results from 2019 to determine our Olympic team? And I think we're going to have to add more events from 2021. So definitely, yeah, I'll uh, be looking to bring my A game when we get back to racing. I, I don't think even if we get to races this fall, that that will necessarily determine anything because I think the world might perceive it as just being a little too unfair with people coming from different places in training. Um, but I don't know, I guess that's all a wait and see. We do have a, a race, a, an ambitious race calendar that is uh, about five countries in five weeks, uh, September through the first week of October. Um, but yeah, it'll be about bringing your A game next spring, probably selection events next May for the Olympics at the end of July. And uh, in tw- last year, at least, we had three girls that had met the criteria and we only get to send two. So definitely still uh, a good race on our hands. Nice. What was kind of like that experience with the postponement? Not that I really want to like relive those moments of Tokyo being cancelled and then postponed and Canada pulling out their our team and what was that kind of like for you? Were you home from the States? Were you around family? Was it sad? What was it like? Yeah, uh, I was at home. I had been home and in isolation for a week and it was Sunday night at 7 o'clock <laughs> and I just get an email that Canada was pulling out of the Olympics and I think until that point we you were able to hold on to this optimism that maybe even though it seemed unlikely maybe the world would keep going (laughs) um, the way that it was supposed to this year Um, so getting that finality that the Olympics weren't happening this year and that was that was hard even though you know that they're uh, they're supposed to happen next year so I felt when Canada pulled out, I was pretty confident that if Canada pulled out, the Olympics weren't going to happen for anyone this year. Um, but then, but then the Olympics at the same time, just having that finality, it was tough for sure. Um, of course, the Olympics is never uh, the entire basis of our season. We have an entire world cup series and world championships to aim for, but it's, it was pretty significant. And um you know, you put a lot of energy into preparing for an Olympic Games. And so in ways, I got to relieve some of that anxiety that had been building up around the final selection. But yeah, it's it's also, it's tough, but um, you move on and you have new things to focus on. For sure. I had done a podcast with Bianca Ferrella. She's on the national rugby team and she was, they were gearing up for Tokyo 2020. And I interviewed her like the Monday or Tuesday after Canada had pulled out and it went like Canada pulled out from the Olympic games. And then like 24 hours after the Olympic games were canceled. And then like there was chatter of it being postponed. Like it was just such a whirlwind, but I felt Bianca and I had discussed how honored we felt to kind of be part of the Canadian community with us kind of leading the the trend of pulling out and recognizing that this was a serious thing and yeah what's kind of your take on on that yeah I think Canada absolutely did the right thing and it shows really strong leadership um and yeah it is it is amazing now I, I don't think anyone now would look back and be like well of course we had to pull out of the Olympics and the Olympics would be postponed but 
you know, in the moment it was still, people still trying to hold on to hope. Um, but yeah, I think it was, it's good to see Canada taking a strong stance and, um, yeah. Yeah. So you did mention retiring after this Olympics and what's retirement going to look for you? If I'm not mistaken, I don't think mountain biking will ever be out of your life completely, but I'd love to know kind of what your, your, uh, next move is. Yeah, I say that would is one of the silver linings that's come out of being forced to stay home is that um, I was quite worried about how I would feel when I stopped competing and you get really tied up in that and being on the road and setting the next goal and you can feel quite antsy and unsettled being home, but being home long enough that I actually got to set some projects like I built... Um, with some with our local bike association built a um, a kids loop trail so i was able to you know find these other really fulfilling projects that um that showed me that i was going to feel good and i was going to feel purpose when i'm at home uh and then i've also been looking into i found a, a cool uh sports psychology program master's program at the university of ottawa that i've been eyeing so yeah definitely um i think i'll pursue some more education on top of my undergrad and then we'll see what comes from that that's so awesome it's been so unique seeing this uh isolation time kind of transpire like in my inner circle it's been a really good time of reflection and goal setting and creativity and just having more space to kind of quiet the mind and quiet the body and just kind of feel into the things that make us tick the things that make us happy um, I know it's been a chaotic time in the world, but for the most part, I think a lot of people really appreciated the silence. Yeah, I think, especially the first week, I was like, oh, the world kind of needed this collective step back and a collective deep breath. And and then it's like, okay, well, maybe we don't need this long. <laughs> but I think it has been, it has been good to see if, for a lot of people to learn that we can be happy with a lot less being a lot less busy um and and not that we're less busy right now but maybe less running around busy um like even just simple things of only going to a grocery store once a week it's it actually frees up a lot of time when you're not just doing these little outings because you can um so yeah i think that's been interesting too and especially for me who even i travel so much and even when i'm home we're typically Oh, let's go to Squamish to ride. Oh, let's go to Revelstoke to ride. And we don't stay in one place that often and, and just staying home more and, and really appreciating what home has to offer. Mm, that's awesome. Um, I'd like to wrap up this podcast episode with a little quote that I read in my book yesterday. And it's kind of about awareness. Um, and then maybe we could just finish it off there. If you're, do you have anything else you'd like to add though? That sounds great. Okay, cool. So under the influence of awareness, you becoming more attentive, understanding, and loving, and your presence not only nourishes you and makes you lovelier, it enhances the then as well. Our entire society can be changed by one person's peaceful presence. Mm. Cool, hey? Yeah, it is. <laughs> I like that peaceful presence part. Yeah. It's kind of reflective of COVID too, a little bit. And ref reflective of a lot of things happening in the world right now. Yeah. 
Cool. Well, Catherine, thank you so much for joining me today. I really appreciate you jumping in and having a chit chat with me on our podium cast. Thanks for the opportunity. No problem. Good luck with everything. And I can't wait to see you at Tokyo. I can't wait to see what you get up to next. And take care. Thanks. Thanks. Bye, everybody. Yeah, you too. Bye. Thank you for tuning in to today's episode of the Podium Cast. If you have any feedback or topics you'd like covered, send us an email at athlete at csipacific.ca. Stay tuned for our next episode and have a fabulous day.